When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And actually, it's Purple Access, Judd Declan, and our guy from Vikings Wire, Tyler Fornis, which also is the uh, writing home of the sports dad here. In fact, I've got a column there right now about one-hit wonders on the heels of Josh Dobbs. Dex, you should read it. It's very exciting. I found four examples of guys who came out of nowhere, seemingly, just like Dobbs did, to help the Vikings, and as always, uh, Purple Daily, Purple Access, all brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. Make sure that you make Quick Trip your one-stop shopping because they have basically everything that you need. And Forno, um, I've seen you in the last few, few days, as you often do after Vikings games, uh, tweeting out clips of the coaches' film and analyzing things. What I want to ask you is this. As you watch Josh, uh, Josh Dobbs's performance from the All-22, what did you see that you think is a, a sustainable recipe for success? And how long do you think that this uh, potential Josh Dobbs joyride can continue based on what you saw with a critical eye from that coach's film? So it's a very interesting discussion because what Jobs did as a concrete whole is unsustainable. And the reason why is you can't ask a guy to basically, as Dobbs said himself on his podcast, the Torchbearers pod, play Madden. And that's kind of what they did. They pieced it together and they made it work. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, like I worked in kitchens and restaurants for a long time. Sometimes when you're shorthanded, you just kind of have to piece things together and make it work to get through the day. Then once you get through the day, then you move on. And that's kind of what the Vikings are doing right now. Dobbs needs to learn the offense and he's going to have an entire week to get more comfortable. And they're going to be able to install a game plan to accentuate what Josh Dobbs does well and what he knows. And I think what happened on Sunday was phenomenal. You saw people step up in a big way. You saw O'Connell's prowess as a coach and how he was able to really elevate his players and that culture. And I think all that's great stuff. But when you watch the film, you see multiple instances of Dobbs just not hitting receivers in stride or hitting open receivers and not feel comfortable throwing some passes. Well, that's that's all fine on Sunday because he doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't even know guys' names on the team, and he's still working out all those little nuances and kinks as part of being a Minnesota Viking. Now what I want to see moving forward is like his rushing touchdown where he scrambled. He easily could have thrown TJ Hawkins who ran like a slot fade but the outside uh, shoulder was covered. So he took it inside. 
he had two steps of separation wide open. He chooses not to throw that and he scrambles and he gets a touchdown. Now, nobody's going to say, hey, don't go get a touchdown, but make the game easier for yourself. And how does he make the game easier for himself moving forward as he gains knowledge of the offense? Those are the things I'm going to be looking for because you want him to be feel more comfortable hitting those shots and feel comfortable in the plays that are called. And as time goes on, we're going to see what Josh Jobs really is going to be for this team because it's so hard to take away anything from Sunday other than, man, that was cool. Yeah, I mean, for now, I think what what's exciting is, you know, Josh Dobbs is just a different style of quarterback, obviously, than Kirk Cousins. There, you can move his feet really well, and he can extend plays and run out. And yeah, I mean, the NFL Street or Madden Ball, you know, that he was basically playing uh, against Atlanta is probably not sustainable. But I guess what other things can maybe Kevin O'Connell do to kind of lean in to Josh Dobbs or even make him more comfortable to kind of bring out the most of him while also not, you know, being completely ineffective or shipwrecking the offense. I think when you look at it, figure out what he's comfortable with, figure out what he likes. And the benefit of him playing on five teams in 12 months, you you're going to get the sense of, Hey, I like this concept. Let's run this concept. And Kevin O'Connell will either draw it up or he will modify kind of what he already has to make things work. And I think that as a coach, that's a good method of, helping out your players, get them in positions to succeed because the great ones will find a way to succeed no matter what, but not everybody can do that. And you you want them to be able to feel comfortable in how they're playing and what they're running. So uh, some of the things I think you can do in a vacuum to really maximize what Josh Jobs is RPOs, r- like design quarterback sweeps, get him on the move. And they were doing some of that. They were running a lot of like bootleg flood concepts, which, I don't love a lot because it takes away half the field. And like a lot of teams like to run like sprint right option where you have like two passes you can throw. And otherwise the quarterback is just basically if they're gone, they really can't do anything because they can't cut back because there's guys coming from the backside. Like, I don't love that kind of stuff, but if that makes him comfortable right away, run it and just figure out how he can maximize this offense and how you can maximize him within the, within the concepts that he likes. And I guarantee you within O'Connell's playbook, there's probably going to be like 50, 60% of those concepts that he really likes and wants to run. And the others, he's just not as comfortable with and being able to work with that and put together a cohesive game plan together, I think is going to be really important to moving this forward. Now Dobbs is a, a, was a great story. I mean, it's, you know, the the guy comes in on Tuesday, basically does not practice because at the time, Jaron Hall, Tyler is getting all of the reps. It's a fantastic story, but I want to go more to O'Connell. And he, he was asked about this in his Wednesday press conference and tried to defer, you know, tr- tried to stay away from this. But how impressive, <clears throat> excuse me, is a coach? I'm getting choked up here. It's so, so sad. How impressive is a coach who is able to literally throughout the course of a game with a quarterback he has no experience with in a game base operate on the fly. Because I, I think that this is one of the more impressive things. Like I think that there have been games and there have been times this season where I thought O'Connell's uh, game management has been a bit off that it has mm-hmm. not been as good as what we saw in his first year when almost everything he touched turned to gold in a 13 win season yeah. but Forno, when 
when you consider what he did, you know, and and uh, talking to Dobbs until 15 seconds were left and translating plays, um, am I out of line? Am I wrong in saying that's one of the more impressive coaching jobs I've seen just as far as as what he was able to do in what could have been easily a crisis moment? And O'Connell basically flipped it and turned it into what came out as a positive. No, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. It was one of the best coaching performances I've ever seen because there was a lot going wrong for the Vikings. The three best players on the Minnesota Vikings did not play a single snap on Sunday. Kirk right. Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw. And you can in, maybe include Daniil Hunter in there, but then you just be like, okay, your best three players on offense didn't play. And then KJ Osborne gets knocked out of the game on that concussion. And Jaron Hall's out of the game. So you're on QB4. And no matter what you view of Dobbs, He's QB four because of the three guys that the Vikings went into the season with. And now you bring in Dobbs as that backup. It's wild. It's, it's an incredible story that I'm going to be honest. And this isn't hyperbole. They could make a movie out of just this single game. And you would be able to get people to buy tickets because it's so improbable and it's so wild. And I think Declan's uh, like point of like NFL street, I think is a great example because even in NFL street, if you've ever played it, they're a passing concept. But once that route is run, then they just kind of free ball and they try to get open and you are running around and jumping off walls and throwing the ball down the field and running it and doing all these spin moves and taunts. Like that's to a point. That's kind of what this game was. Like now JT O'Sullivan's QB school showed that he was throwing a little bit with anticipation and he was comfortable, but it was like universal style concepts like that corner route to Jordan Addison. That was a smash concept. The ball late in the game where Addison caught it on the sidelines. That's just four verbs. So we're not reinventing the wheel here, but he felt comfortable enough within the the construct of those plays to be able to make those throws. And I think that's a good thing to build on. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how Kevin O'Connell builds off this because I guarantee you if they win nine or 10 games, make the playoffs, I don't see how you don't make him coach of the year because of what this team had to go through, how you were able to pretty much piece wins together. And this is the beginning. How impressive too, Forno, is the, are, are that Vikings have won games, they are using different quarterbacks, and they're undefeated with Justin Jefferson's absence, who now is back at practice and probably still a highly unlikely plays in the Saints game, but may, might be, even be back obviously the week after how impressive is what they're doing without obviously the star wide receiver. And then once JJ gets back, like how does, how does all the rest of the pieces fit in? Like Brandon Powell is having a, a great season here, probably a lot in large part too, because not because he's a really good worker and he's a good athlete, but because JJ's absence. So I guess what does JJ do to this offense too, once he comes back a minute from injury? Cause obviously on paper, right, it should be explosive, but I mean, imagine what this offense can look like too, with Justin Jefferson with a full hamstring. So fun fact, uh, I think he was talking to the media or somebody was talking to the media. Adam Schefter just tweeted this, that uh, he can't put a date yet on when he might return, but he wants to be 100% and calls himself day to day. So to me, that's just an ominous way of saying I'm probably not playing on Sunday, which is totally fine. Like, make sure you're 100% healthy. I don't need you coming back and dinging your hamstring. Like, those are a lingering injury, and we've seen it a litany of times where guys come back too early and they repull it. So. 
I think the benefit of guys coming back and guys behind them already playing well is you can maximize your formations. You can maximize, hey, Brandon Powell is now our wide receiver four, but we can still bring him in for 10, 20 plays a game because we know he can do it. And now we can run some different stuff. And this is where as a coach, you can get really creative and you can run a lot more jet sweeps. You can have that jet action and then you'll be able to do more things off. And hopefully that jet action can hold the linebackers. So then your running game can improve. Like It's a mass benefit to seeing guys who aren't supposed to be playing play really well. Cause one, it helps their development too. You know, you can trust them. And three, it, it's okay to put those guys back on the bench when the guys ahead of them come back. It just makes your team that much stronger. So make sure these guys are healthy before coming back because you don't yes. need to rush anybody. And I think that's, it's just a great benefit all around when you have to deal with something as bad as somebody being injured and out for however long. And Powell, I, I think is part of, uh, and this is again, a credit to O'Connell. Powell is part of the year two thing that I really like of, he is clearly a player. Like he's not a star. Um, he, he does not have like this upside of, Oh my God, I wonder if he, he can be a star. But what he has is he's a smart player, a knowledge of the system that Kevin runs, and he's a perfect fit. And that's what I love. Like they like when you bring in guys like that, because it's not like it's not like he's going to become wide receiver two, right? It's not like, but used in that role, as we saw on Sunday, he's a smart player. He does he runs the right routes. Like he does exactly what you you want and so instead of trying to force things and go out and get like projects i love when teams have the confidence to identify a guy who fits a certain role and brandon powell to me is absolutely the definition and and uh tyler we saw this going back to training camp like you Mm -hmm. could tell his routes in training camp like you could tell he knew exactly what he was doing and at this point in his career in life, though, he knew that he was going to have to wait for his chance. But when yeah. he gets his chance, he is prepared. He's not pouting. Um, I think he is the type of player that is exactly what a team like the Vikings needs. Because you need guys who know their role and are prepared at a moment's notice to go in and play that role. Yeah, 100%. And I thought Powell arguably was the best wide receiver in training camp as outside of Justin Jefferson, Jefferson doesn't count. He's a Gumby alien. Like that, that dude is so much better than literally everybody, but Powell was great. He was running great routes. He showed great body control Mm -hmm. and he displayed really soft hands. And I think all of that really matters. And what's wild to me is having watched his entire college career at the university of Florida. He was never really any of those things. He was more of a gadget return kind of guy. And they would just try to get manufactured touches for him. They used him like Percy Harvin was used. Just try to get the ball in his hands and let him do things. But Harvin was just so much more special. And I think now that he's starting to really develop some of those real wide receiver traits, it's just a net positive. Because this guy's not going to make a bunch of money. He's making veteran minimum. Maybe if you bring him back next year, you give him a, like a rates like two or three million. Something that doesn't break the bank, but rewards him for, hey, you performed. We're going to give you more money and give you a raise. And I think that's a net benefit uh, for the Vikings long term because, hey, I'm I'm giving you a raise because you performed. And that's that bodes well with the players long term. And it continues to build into that cu- great culture that O'Connell and Adolfo Mensa have been building here. So 
I like that Powell's getting more opportunities. I don't like how he's getting them, but I like that he's getting them. And I think it's going to be a massive benefit moving forward for this football team because O'Connell doesn't like to rotate guys in and out. He likes to play his dudes. So now that he feels more comfortable with guys behind them, maybe you're going to start to see a rotation and keep guys fresher for the stretch run. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Well, we talked about this briefly on Purple Daily on Draft on Monday with Miles, too, but with Alexander Madison struggling here a little bit, um, Wes Phillips said earlier this week that you're going to expect to see more of Ty Chandler. Um, is this more of getting Ty Chandler handoffs? Is this putting you know screen passes in you know with his explosive speed that this, the Vikings running back group kind of lacks? Uh, do you see a situation here where Ty Chandler maybe gives this team a spark and mostly gets this running game kind of back in a better direction? I'm not quite sure how they'll use Ty Chandler. My guess is they'll they'll bring him back into the fold like they had him the first few games before Akers took over, and that's give him two series a game and kind of see how he rolls. And the tough part about this running game is unless Chandler or Madison just all of a sudden has a breakout, this running game's not going to be fixed this year. Uh, it's a multitude of reasons. Like on Sunday, the offensive line just got bullied, especially that right side. Bradbury, Ingram, and O'Neal just got pulverized in the run game. And sometimes you just get your your butt kicked by guys who are really good. And that front, even without Grady Jarrett for the Falcons, is really good. So that happens. But they, I think they need to prioritize running back. And I'm not saying you take one in round one. But I'm saying you put real assets into the position and not just sign a guy that you feel comfortable with like they did with Madison. Figure out how you can get a better back in the room to make an impact. And when you do that, I think you're going to start to see this running game blossom. I still think Ty Chandler could potentially be that guy, especially with his burst, his four, three, seven speed. Like his, he has a 99.7th percentile 10 yard split, which is that like initial like burst off of out of his stance. Like that's just some great, great stuff, but he needs to be able to put it all together. And if you give him some real reps in real time, Sometimes that's all a guy needs to be able to put it together. And on the flip side, he may not. But with how the running game is, I think you need to start throwing stuff out there and try to figure out how you can fix it because right now it's not working. What do you diagnose on film when it comes to Chandler that he does so poorly that they don't trust him? I think it's just a consistency thing. And you with Madison, you know you're not going to get this high-end output and these elite-level like athleticism plays. What you're going to get is consistency, and he's not going to he's not going to screw up. Uh, I think he's doing a little bit more of those kind of screw up plays where he's just not seeing the field very well. But if he gets hit on two yards, a lot of times that'll turn into four or five, and that kind of effort and the ability to pass block, I think, has really helped him maintain the position. But you could tell Acres was starting to really creep in on that number one spot before he ruptured his Achilles against the Falcons. When he got hurt, it was a 23-23 split. And then Madison got all 19 plays in the fourth quarter. Like that tells you how much that they liked Akers. And they were doing like a series on a series off, but they were starting to mix 
in match within the series against the Falcons. And that was a benefit for both acres and the football team. So I don't really know how they'll use Chandler, but if he starts to really play well, I could see him doing the acres thing and sneaking up and taking snaps away from Madison. Can he block? Because the the one thing that I think uh, of all the things that before he got hurt against the Falcons acres did was the block that he threw on the touchdown or on mm-hmm. the long run on the, on the Dobbs run was just incredible. And I, my only theory has been that Chandler and look, th- this comes late for lots of guys, but my theory has been that I wonder if there's concern about Chandler blocking. And I also think uh, Tyler, the Chandler thing goes back to that Seattle preseason game when Ty Chandler had a really good night and Kevin O'Connell, who, by the way, is loathe to ever say anything that's not completely complimentary of a player basically says he has to do this when the lights aren't on, which to me uh, spoke to an issue with his work ethic possibly or something like that. Um, But I do think that the one thing that would make the coaching staff still pause is if they feel that Chandler just is not up to par, up to speed in the blocking game for his position. First off, hats off to Cam Akers. He sent that man to the shadow realm. Oh, that kind of stuff is going to be shown in Vikings B-roll for the history of time because yeah. that's just like whoop, like the old uh, Chris Berman thing. Berman, yeah, prime time. yeah and, it should be. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Chandler, is, so he had a really weird college career, spent four years at Tennessee, then transferred to North Carolina for his fifth year because he never really was able to be the guy in Tennessee. And then he goes to North Carolina. He is the guy rushes for like 1300 yards, uh, catches balls for like 600 and puts up a a ton of, of yards. One thing I was really impressed with there is blocking. I thought his pass blocking was really good and he displayed soft hands. And I thought he was much better than the the fifth round pick, but he was, he, I think he might be older than Madison. That's just one of those kind of weird quirks about like fifth year guys. And then Madison coming out after his third year, being as young as he was, like Jaron Hall was older than 21 guys uh, on the roster when he started <laughs> as a rookie. Like that's, that's just some wild stuff, but I don't think he's been as consistent pass blocking in the NFL and blocking in a vacuum will translate because a low man wins. So he's five eleven, two Oh four. You can get under some of these linebackers and defensive ends that are like six, three, six, four, because all you have to do is squat just a little bit, push up into the pads. Mm-hmm. But it's not always that easy because you're going against like real grown men instead of guys who are kind of tweening still between being a teenager and being a grown man. So I think some of that is just, he needs to be more consistent, but he has the ability. Or no, on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, since October, I think I saw the note, the Vikings defense top five, top 10, and a lot of huge metrics here. And Brian Flores, who, could he just do kamikaze style blitz and doesn't care? He'll send the whole house at you. He'll send them in creative ways. It's been working out really well. I guess how much with, if, if the Vikings offense stalls a little bit here, maybe isn't playing up to the potential with a backup quarterback and Josh Dobbs, how much can they rely on the defense to maybe carry them? I mean, going into the year, we just kind of thought, can Brian Flores get creative and do some small tweaks here to make it a passable defense? Well, over the last six weeks, it's looked like one of the best defenses in the NFL. How much can the Vikings rely on it um, for the rest of the season? I say this as a term of endearment. Brian Flores is a psychopath. And it, he's just, 
he's masterful. Uh, there was Mad a scientist was, is what he is. Yeah, there's a stat that was floating around, and the second highest like uh, percentage team that sent six or more players on a pass rush was the Patriots at like 16%. Brian Flores is doing it almost 31% of the time. And he's, he's just, he's nuts. And I mean that in such a nice way because of like, he is confident enough in this team to just be able to send the house and you have great blitzers. And that's where it starts. One, you have Daniil Hunter and Hunter just nuts. And when Marcus Davenport comes back, you'll be able to take things to a different level there too. You pair that with guys who are great blitzers. Ivan Pace Jr., great blitzer. And once they signed him, I knew there was going to be a role for him like that on this team. And he's proving that to be a massive addition. Metellus and Harrison Smith, great blitzers. Cam Bynum is turning into one of the better safeties in the league on the back end. He has people to be able to do all of these things. And what's really impressive about Flores is the we make fun of or poke fun at the fact that Quasi's like, this is a collaboration. And some people will criticize and be like, well, that's just you trying to get out of like blame for making some of these decisions. But that's not that, what that means. That's not what that, that stands for. It is listening to your people who know more than you help you make better decisions. That's what a good leader does. And that's what Brian Flores is doing. He's listening to these guys and they're modifying and they're changing up scheme based on who they're playing. Like they blitz Justin Herbert 82% of the time. They blitz Bryce Young 30% of the time because they knew Young couldn't crush them. They knew Herbert couldn't no matter what. So they're like, all right, you're going to have to make decisions in two seconds and not three. And we're going to try and beat you that way. Well, they lost and they're okay with that in theory because, well, you gave him your best shot and that you thought that was your best route to win. And I agree with that. And if Hawkinson catches that ball, this is a whole new point anyways, but they are maximizing the talent they have, something that Ed Donatel did not do. Yes. And that is massive. And I think as far as I'm carrying the team to kind of get to your point here, Judd, what they did against the Falcons, even though they all have 20 points, I think shows you that they can kind of carry this team. They'll still need the offense, the supplement, but you turn the ball over inside the five yard line and you hold them to a field goal. I don't care how bad the play calling was from Arthur Smith, which it was atrocious. A He's tight end there. jet sweep to a guy not named Kyle Pitts yeah. is, is an abomination. Yes. Like, come on. And they stood up when they had to. They forced big turnovers when they had to. And I think that paired with a capable offense, which I think O'Connell can run with, with this group. I, the Vikings could do some damage. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl, but we could be in for a really fun final eight games. And that's they exciting. Can a, they can win a playoff game. That, that's, what I, that's what I've said now. And, and what Flores, uh, your point, it's so spot on. What Flores has done with, and look, he's got a few really good players. Daniil Hunter's been unbelievable, okay? So I don't mean to put down the defense, but what Flores has done with, with some really good talent and some big question marks has been absolutely incredible. I mean, he has he has taken and and we knew we knew there were going to be certain big plays on which they get which they got beat or would get beat. But I think we all agreed I'd rather get beat being aggressive than trying to play a shell. And so like when you watch this now, I mean Brian Flores as bad of hire as Donatel was by O'Connell, Brian Flores has been the the 180 polar opposite genius move. 
Um, cause I'm with you. This defense has held this team in games at, at times. Uh, I have a question for, for you from the film again, though, when you watch the film, tell me what you see. And I know that their snaps have, have, uh, fluctuated. What do you see from Makai Blackman and Andrew Booth? I've seen good from both of them. And I, I'm really curious. And why they're playing Blackman sometimes and why they're playing Booth, because I don't think one guy is really playing sky high over the other. Now, if you look at PFF grades, Blackman's a top rated Vikings cornerback. And I think some of that has to do with Byron Murphy just being targeted a lot. And he gives up catches, but he's always there and he's a relatively good tackler. He's missed a few here and there, obviously, but I really don't have any issues with Byron Murphy Jr. as a whole. Booth has been consistent. He's looked a lot more comfortable in this defense than he did under Ed Donatel. And I think it's the aggressiveness. And we've talked about that before. And I wondered if his aggressive nature was really holding him back from playing a lot because within aggressiveness, you have to be disciplined because if you're not disciplined, that's how you will a 10 yard game becomes a 50 yard game. And I really think that they're looking at this by matchup and who's performing better in practice because on the film I think they're very comparable and yeah I think getting both guys playing time is a net positive because who knows if Byron Murphy Jr. is here in two years because he's only on that two-year deal and you have three guys who are either in year one or year two who you all believe can develop and be good cornerbacks and I think Caleb Evans is already there so I, I don't really have a great answer for you other than I want, I would want to ask Brian Flores the question on uh, how the rotation works and why you're implementing it. Prediction for Sunday, sir. What do you think happens between the Vikings and Saints at U.S. Bank Stadium? Expect chaos. Expect weird because Love this. you're going to get Derek Carr. Who, like people make fun of, like there's like the Kirk tier of quarterbacks. And oh, yeah. I think they've really lost the plot when talking about Kirk Cousins because of how well he's performed over the last two years. He's a different quarterback than he was three years ago. Oh, don't, tell, that, don't tell the Cousins fans that, man. You're going to get you're going to get hit now on X. Oh, that's fine. No, he, uh, no he's not. He's the same. If, if you think he's the same, you're not watching the film. And to like he like at the beginning of the year, he kind of reverted back to some of that, but yeah. he started to really grow and get more comfortable and he was firing the ball down the field. He's a, he is playing a lot more aggressive than he was two or three years ago. And I really don't think that can be disputed, but Derek Carr is what people think Kirk cousins is. He is like gun shy in the pocket. He makes poor decisions. He really checks down a lot. And that that's what people think Kirk is. And unless you get like a really big game out of um, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, or one of my favorite players in the league, Chris Olave, I really think that this is the Vikings game to lose. Now that Saints defense is good, but it can be exploitable. And the matchup I'm looking for is TJ Hawkinson versus uh, the Honey Badger, Teron Matthew. Matthew. I always get that name wrong for some reason. That's okay, yeah. Um, He's getting older, and he is not as spry as he used to be. And if you remember the game against the Jaguars, Christian Kirk torched him on a deep crosser and got like a 40-plus yard touchdown to really seal that game. I think Hawkinson with those choice routes can take him to school. And it'll make things easy for a guy like Josh Dobbs. Oh, TJ Hawkinson, just wait for him to wiggle and spring open and just pepper him the football. I wiggle. think Vikings 
that's that's my prediction. And if you love the grambling, uh, I would see it. Um, if you can get Vikings win by one to six points and get real plus money odds. I love this stuff, man. Thank you much. And again, uh, check out Tyler's stuff. Also, vikingswire.com. It's outstanding. Yes, I write for it too. So uh, I, I know that Dex loves to go there and check out Sports Dad stuff. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Dex, tell the people what they need to know before we go, please. Yep, hit the subscribe button, Daily Vikings Entertainment right here. Uh, yes, Purple Access every Thursday with rotating panel of Tyler Fornis and Chip Scoggins too. Uh, we have a live edition of Feedback Friday tomorrow on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, plus Ventline right after Vikings and Saints. We'll talk to you then.